0: Welcome to the next episode of Strategize to Succeed. Selectively applying the strategies which we discuss each week will help you as you progress from conditions to opportunities to successes. In today's episode, we are going to discuss a television show airing on Peacock entitled The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. It is based on the book of the same name by Margareta Magnuson. Admittedly, your mentor did not envision herself commenting on home decluttering, but there is more to this popular process than meets the eye. In fact, one could even say that there is a strategy involved. To put things in perspective, I have never swooned over Marie Kondo or her penchant for requiring that one determine if a sweater sparks joy. Nor do I envision the container store when I'm focused on my happy place. However, the concept presented by Ms. Magnuson and then developed for American television by Amy Poehler has given me and maybe others something to think about. At the outset I believe that the notion of death cleaning is a bit of a misnomer and, as a result, somewhat off-putting. Although the name attracts much attention, death cleaning does not actively involve death, and cleaning is not really the point of the endeavor either. Ultimately, the purpose of a death cleaning is to show kindness and respect to one's relatives and friends by taking stock of one's life through one's possessions so that you can control their path of disbursement without burdening others. Don't just allow generations of stuff which is not loved or even appreciated to accumulate, assuming that eventually someone else can figure it out. This concept doesn't just apply to a dusty attic or an overcrowded shoe closet. There are two other very significant areas which should not be ignored, one's papers and one's digital footprint. In the spirit of leading by example, I have begun the task of addressing my rather comprehensive paper trail. For me, this process includes all the research materials utilized for my previous publications, as well as the numerous book and article rough drafts not to mention a fourth-grade book of poetry which I authored. Everything is rather well-organized in file cabinets. It's not that I'm tripping over piles of dusty papers. But the question is, even if I remain alive and well for another 50 years, what is the point of fostering the ongoing collection of papers, not to mention items? When considering how this death cleaning applies to my own life, the thought came to mind that the real impact of allowing this situation to continue is that it represents not so much a death, but a stagnation of my own thinking. And so I've begun a seemingly insurmountable process of shredding, and then more shredding. As I was watching the first few episodes of the television series, I was captivated in the same way that one can become frozen while watching an automobile accident occur. The process was hypnotic and the tears began flowing. It was not because of overwhelming compassion, although I acknowledge that compassion was certainly an element. What got me was the sudden dose of self-realization which reinforced the importance of the task, but not for the reason that you would assume. It suddenly dawned on me that the critical element isn't just what we leave behind, it is what remains for us while still alive after we complete this purging. So rather than with a sense of loss, I began to pillage and plunder my way through file cabinets. Occasionally, I reread some notes which I had made, or part of a draft, and then I heard the thrill of a whirring shredder. Once a drawer was emptied, I was amazed that I could actually have done it, with no tears shed. Instead, I was elated. Sure, I gained an empty drawer, and yes, I saved someone else the trouble of going through the papers after my eventual passing. But the real benefit was in the exercise of going through the process. Although I'm just at the beginning, this death cleaning has had the effect of releasing me from decades-long cobwebs in my brain which were being bogged down with useless information. Now, it has often been said that we use only a fraction of our brain's capacity. I don't know what the actual percentage might be, but I do feel that I have opened up a portion of my brain, pulled up the metaphorical blinds, and let the light in. And now, with this mental reinvigoration, I can make room for all the new sorts of thoughts and ideas without being locked in on the past. Furthermore, this feeling has motivated me to continue on to the next drawer, and then maybe I'll switch off and explore a closet with greater enthusiasm. If you would like to pursue the opportunities available from a Swedish deaf cleaning, there is a certain framework to apply when proceeding so that you are not just wandering aimlessly. Understand that this process requires a constant barrage of decisions to be made. It is to be undertaken with almost military precision and a ruthless attention to detail. In an effort to make the cleaning easier, Ms. Magnuson suggested starting with storage locations and proceed with sorting, disposing, and organizing. I will tell you that I did not start this way. Although some may find taking that path easier and more enjoyable, it seems to be the area where I get bogged down, so I skipped the next section. The second part of the process is to go through your house and review all furniture and knick going from large to small. Throughout the entire process, distinguish between keeping those items which have meaning to you and releasing those which you don't care about. Once you've decided to part with an item, then you form separate categories by giving the items to those whom you feel would want them, donating to charity, selling or consigning, or trash. Although it may seem difficult at first, this sorting and parting with items amassed over time can have a very cathartic effect as the steps progress. Ms. Magnuson does advocate that one allow a box for personal mementos, such as photos or letters, which have sentimental meaning and which you'd like to keep throughout your life. As an aside, consider answering the question of why keep a photo of someone whom you don't recognize? If the object of the photo cannot be identified, why should it claim a space amongst your valuable possessions? Do not overlook your digital life. Keep track of your login information for those sites on which you depend, such as banking and insurance, so that whomever you designate will have the necessary access when appropriate. This can be accomplished by making a hard copy or using an online vault. This process is not a one and done. Just as you evolve throughout life, so does this cleaning. At different times, various items have greater or lesser significance for you. At these evolving stages, it becomes your responsibility to update the cleaning process. Even after you think that you've completed the project, always have a bag or box handy so that you can continue to move items out as you come across them. One of the nice features of this approach is that there is no need to wait until your death to gift an item to a friend or relative. If you have something special which you want to bequeath to someone, why wait? Send it to them with a note and you can have the pleasure of hearing about their reaction. That way the gift becomes more than an item it becomes an engaging experience for both of you. There is a general concept which applies regardless of your choice to undertake a Swedish death cleaning. Because you see something for sale, and even if you have the money for it, doesn't mean that you should buy it. That may seem like a radical thought, but first hear me out. Instant gratification is, at best, a childlike response. I'm not saying that deprivation is a preferred way of living. However, at the very least, don't buy the item impetuously. Consider it for a few days. And if, after a period of time, you remain just as fixed on it, then buy it. But keep in mind that ultimately it will likely become one more item on your next death cleaning. While in the midst of this cleaning process, I have been aware that an underlying theme of the concept is to minimize and reduce one's accumulation of belongings. Frankly, although I'm certainly not a hoarder, I have never favored a Spartan lifestyle. And being realistic, that condition is not going to change. But what I have learned from this process is that not only is a death cleaning both necessary and considerate of one's family and friends, it also serves a beneficial purpose for the person mired in the cleaning process. There is an intellectual and emotional metamorphosis which can occur if approaching the cleaning as an opportunity to become unencumbered from past constraints. That transition can become a wonderful entry into your next phase of discovery and development. Thank you for sharing your time today. Remember your application of strategic decision-making approaches can result in more beneficial outcomes for you, both professionally and personally. Why not turn that process into your opportunity?